Pastor Rich is wondering if he'll ever get to do a children's story again. What do you think? Should we let him do it again sometime? Yeah? You bring treats. This place is going to be stormed with people running up to the front when you do this again. I just know it. Got a feeling. Uh, it is a good morning to uh, announce good news, and we, we say it uh, again and again to one another. And, you know, it's true. It's wonderful news that Christ has risen from the dead. That's good news for us as sinners who need a Savior. So, church, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And this changes, what's the word? Everything. Like nothing can be the same because of this. You can't go back to life as usual if Jesus rose from the dead. You just can't go on like it didn't happen. This is, this is like, you know, this is like an explosion in history. Like you have got to pay attention to this. Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus crossing a line that nobody could cross and and makes it possible for him to bring us across the same line. That is good news. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would do that. And I want to put a scripture verse on the screen. It's John chapter 5, verse 24, down at the bottom right there. Could you read this out loud together with me? I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word... And believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Lord Jesus, we uh, find ourselves needing uh, to be challenged by your word and called by your word to faith in you today. Come now, Lord Jesus. Come to us. Have your way in us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. What I see in this text that was on the screen uh, are, are three, three lines. Here's the first line. I'm going to put them up here, if I can, on the platform. The first line is, is this one. I'm going to make a line here, if I can. Here it is. Line number one. I'll put this one back here. Here's the second line. I'm going to do three lines this morning. And uh, here's the third. Jesus Christ wants to lead each one of us across three lines. Here's, uh, here's actually the first one that I want to talk about. The first one is the line from, from life to death. Uh, we're going to cross that line. The, the next line is the line from, uh, from, can you read that? Death to life. That's this line right here. And uh, there's one more line. And that's the line from, can you read that? Unbelief to belief. Jesus Christ wants to lead us across these three lines. And I see these three lines here in this text. And just to mess with your head, I kind of want to talk about them a little bit out of order. I want to talk about... The middle one first. I want to talk about the line from life to death. Now, if you look at the text, uh, it doesn't seem to be in the text. It's implied that we are living and that someday, one day, we're going to die. I mean, the reality is, I don't care, you know, 
what your circumstances, you're going to cross this line. You're going to, you're going to go over this line from, from life to death. You're living now, you're here. But every one of us, one day, someday, will cross that line. I, I don't think uh, Wayne knew that he'd be crossing the line in the last 24 hours. Man, right? Do you have any idea when and how you're going to go? I've often wondered, you know, what, if I could know when and if I could know how, would I want to know? Think about it for yourself. Would that, I'm not sure that'd be good information for me. Talk about TMI. Right? Too much information. I don't think I'd be a good steward of how and when I would die. If somebody said to me, Dave, you're going to die in 10 years from now, probably between now and 10 years, I'd do a lot of foolish things. You know? I'd do a lot of stupid stuff between now and 10 years, like, because I'm bulletproof for 10 years. I'm good. See, I don't know that that would be good for me to know the how and the when of my death, but the Bible says every one of us is going to cross that line. Every one of us is going to move from life to death. Fart, fight, fight as hard as you may. It is going to happen. If you eat right, I don't care how good you eat, you're going to cross that line. I don't care how much you exercise, you're, you're going to cross that line. I don't care how many doctor recommended, you see all the commercials, doctor, number one doctor recommended. I don't care how many doctor recommended products you take. You're going to cross that line. Fight as hard as you may. One day, someday, you're going to die. Is there anybody here who doesn't believe me when I say that? Would you just please slip up your hand? Nobody. Everybody believes that. Then evidently, Ray Kurzweil is not here this morning. Uh, I read this week about a guy named Ray Kurzweil. We have a picture of him. There he is. Um, there, there is, did you know there's all kinds of immortality initiatives out there? Seriously, immortality initiatives. In fact, there are a number of them. I read of five or six of them this last week. I'm going to talk about just this one guy. But initiatives to seek immortality, to the cure for death. And uh, this guy is one of those going about that. Some of the wealthiest people in the world, some billionaires are funding projects to seek the cure for death. Uh, Ray Kurzweil is 65. Uh, he's a renowned computer scientist and inventor, and several decades ago, he decided, you know, mortality just isn't for me. <laughs> just mortality, isn't that a great decision to make? No, just mortality is not my thing. I'm really not, I'm not into that. And he said that he didn't have to die, and that uh, he wasn't going to die if he could help it, and he believes that he's just smart enough to help it, right? And uh, he's been working feverishly at the task of staying alive ever since. Now, this guy is no lunatic. He's no wacko. This guy is legit. Uh, in fact, uh, Google co-founder Sergey Brin is banking his research. Not only that, but Google has actually hired this guy and funds his research for the cure to death. Crazy, huh? You don't believe me? Just Google it is how you'll find that, right? Uh, there's an article written, uh, not in this particular magazine, but there's an article written by a guy named, uh, a journalist, Will Oremus, and he interviews Kurzweil about all this, right? And here's how it goes. Isn't it stressful, I asked him, to live with the conviction that you have the power to avert death if you can just find the right answers? Or is it somehow energizing? 
Both, he said. But it would be even, but it would be more stressful to contemplate, listen to this, to contemplate the inevitability of the tragedy of death with no credible plan to avert it. What a really powerful, curious statement to make, right? Think about that. Here's what I find so intriguing. I mean, it's more stressful for me to think about the fact that I have to die than, than I have to figure out what the cure is for death. And what's so intriguing to me is his idea of living forever, his idea of life forever beyond the grave is to avoid death. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says the path to eternal life is right through death, right? Look at the text with me. John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. See, Jesus says you don't gain eternal life by going around death. You gain eternal life by going right through it. Jesus says, I'm going to take you through Good Friday. I'm going to take you through death to life. And Jesus' own life, of course, is an example of that. Pastor Rich mentioned what happened here on Friday. Here we celebrated the fact that Jesus took upon himself all of our sins. Here's what I pictured. This is, I don't know theologically how well this works, but it's just a picture in my head. Uh, I don't think I'm, yeah, going too far off. But so I picture Jesus kind of like, kind of like a, you know, just a big rig 18 wheeler, you know, and big, big, you know, thing in the back. And, and Jesus goes into death, right? And lets death swallow him. But, but then he plows a hole through, through the, through the other side. He, he just, big hole right through. And in the cargo is you and me. Like, he brings us with him. He makes it possible for us to follow his lead, and he busts a hole through death. Jesus says the plan to live eternally is not to avoid crossing the line from life to death. Jesus says the path to death or life after death is to go through. Is to go through it. Which leads us, of course, to the next one. The way of death to life. Now, everybody's going to cross this line, right? I mean, at least everybody here is thinking, I'm going over this one. One day, someday, I'm going to die. But not everybody goes from death to life. Not everybody does. Jesus said, however, that we can have life after death, that we can cross the line from death to life. What an absolutely outrageous claim. What an abs, I mean, like, nobody would have ever thought this would be possible. This is a, a victory over death, moving from death to life. Like, nobody could, nobody thought that that was something that Jesus could do. Because here we have Satan with kind of this perfect record, undefeated, and Jesus beats him. This is, this is like last night's game. I mean, this is, this is like, right? This is like Wisconsin beating Kentucky, alright? This is like, nobody saw that coming. Right? Nobody really thought this would be, if that doesn't make sense to you, just go right past it. You get the point. Like, nobody thinks, how, how is this even possible? That's an outrageous claim. Jesus says, not only have I done that, but I can bring you with me. 
The question I have is why should we believe them? It's kind of crazy. Is that kind of crazy talk? Death to life? Why should we believe him? I think we should believe him for a number of reasons, but here's like the one big one that you can't escape. The one big reason why we should believe Jesus is because, well, he rose from the dead. Kind of going with what that guy says. Like, kind of going with what the risen one says to me. And if he says I can be raised to life after death and that he can do it, and then proved it by being raised himself, I'm going with what he said. Right? He did it. So I can trust him. He went where he wants to take you. He did what he wants to do for you. I want you to think of it like this. Jesus is not a travel agent. Jesus is not a travel agent. You know what a travel agent does? A travel agent says, here, I can help you get to where you want to go. I may not have been there, but I can get you there. I can make all the arrangements for you to be where you want to be. I can get you across the border. I can get you across the line. I can get you where you need to go. Uh, you go to a, a travel agent and you say, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to help me with arrangements to go to Hong Kong. Great. I can help you with that. I can, I can make all the arrangements for you to get, get to Hong Kong. Have you been there? What's it like? Tell me. I have no idea. I've never been there. Right? Jesus is not a travel agent. Jesus, Jesus has been there. Jesus is there. Jesus has gone ahead. He has crossed the line from death to life. You can trust him because he is where he wants to take you. Believing him. You can trust him because he's been where he wants to take you. Jesus, listen, you know, you, you want to go through a travel agent, they're going to research stuff for you. Jesus isn't researching eternal life. He's living eternal life. He has made it possible. Listen, church, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And this changes everything. Jesus has gone across a line that he wants to take you across to. But now there's one more line in this text. It's the line from unbelief to belief. I said in the first line that everybody's going to cross this one, right? Everybody's going to cross over this one. Not everybody crosses over this one, and that has everything to do with who crosses over this one. The line from unbelief to belief. Notice what it says in the text. Read it again with me. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I underlined the word and made bold the word and italicized the word believes. Moving from unbelief to belief. Christians are those who have, been, who have been moved from unbelief to belief. The question that every one of us then needs to ask ourselves on a day like today 
is, well, on what side of the line am I? Where are you on a day like Easter Sunday? Where do you find yourself? Christian people are those who have been moved from unbelief to belief. You are on one side or the other. I know that sounds so dogmatic, so black and white, so, you know, like you can't be moved. You know, you can't. There's no middle ground with a line like this. There's absolutely no middle ground. You are either a Christian or you're not. Now, that might sound self-evident. That might sound obvious, like one day you're going to die. But there's always a curse wheel in the audience. Or there's always somebody that goes, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it's that simple. I mean, who's to say who's a Christian or not? Kind of, we're all in process, aren't we? Who's to say? Uh, last week, um, my research assistant, Michelle, my wife, she, she said to me, David, I just listened to the sermon. You have got to listen to this sermon by Tim Keller. It was in First Peter chapter 2. He's talking about aliens and strangers in the world and citizenship in heaven. And he was talking, he was talking about a different line, but he's talking about a line. He's talking about there's no middle. And he used a few illustrations. I'm going to use two of the illustrations that he used in this to communicate that there really is no middle. There's just a line, and you're on one side or the other. And here's the first one he uses, that of marriage. Right. Uh, there's a lot that goes into marriage. There's a lot that goes into getting married. There's a lot of preparation for a ceremony. There's a lot of preparation relationally to get married. I mean, you should do premarital counseling. You should be prepared. There's a lot of investment relationally that goes into that. It is very much of a process to get married. Absolutely. You don't just appear at the altar with the preacher and your you know, fiancé and, and boom, it's done. It doesn't happen like that. So, right, in one sense, it takes time. In one sense, it's a process. But in another sense, there is one moment in which you are not married. And then in another moment, you are. You are. And there's really, there's really nothing in the middle. You're either married or you're not. Because it is a change of status. And it's actually something that happens to you. It is something declared over you, outside of you. You are made to be this. You are going from this and made to be this by the declaration of somebody else, right? It's really amazing. One moment you are not, and the next moment you are. And again, there's nothing in the middle because while relational, uh, it's a lot of relational stuff and it results from a process of relationship and development and growth, underneath, really, there's just a lead, change of legal status. There's a legal standing that's involved. It's very objective. It's very much outside of yourself. You are or you aren't. Or you aren't. There really is no middle. That's the first illustration. The second one is that of like a, well, think of like a border crossing. Okay. Uh, let's just imagine that you live in Dallas, Texas. Okay. You're in Dallas and you want to go to Canada. What do you do? Jump in the car and you drive 1,600 miles north. And if you did that, if you drove 1,600 miles north and maybe took three days to get there, okay, and you stopped six inches short of the border, would you be in Canada? See, there's, there's a line. There's, there's, a, there's a line. There's a place that 
that marks where the United States ends and where Canada begins. And if you travel 1,600 miles and make it to within six inches of the Canadian border, even if you travel 1,600 miles and even if you travel three days to get there, the fact is you are just as much out of Canada as you were back in Dallas. I mean, right? I mean, they're six inches short. I mean, you know, you went 1,600 miles, you traveled three days, you're so close, but no cigar. I mean, you're just so close, but you're, you're not there. You are as much out of Canada, six inches on the other side, as you were 1,600 miles and three days ago. Because, because the United States and Canada are legal entities, and either you are in one country or you are in the other, there is no middle I think that Jesus wants the same point to get across to you and to me in Scripture. Jesus is not opposed to process. In fact, the Lord works through process, right? Often coming to faith is a process. In fact, if we were to tell our stories here today, and I asked if you're a Christian how it is that you came from going from unbelief to belief, I suspect that part of your story would involve this this journey, this, your version of 1,600 miles in three days, time and distance. You, there would be a process involved in your story of coming to faith in Christ. But, but still, there's a line from unbelief to belief, a line that when changed, can I just tell you, changes everything. When crossed, changes everything. The question I have is, have you been taken across that line? Have you been taken across that line? Now, this is not to say that everyone needs to fully understand the when and the how of the crossing of that line. It doesn't mean that everybody fully understands when and how they were brought across the line of faith, but just that they've crossed it. Sometimes it's later and we look back and we understand more fully as we're taught and we understand the word of God and we're like, so that's what happened. This is, this is how God was working. I'm not saying that every Christian needs to know the moment, but just that for every Christian, there was a moment. Now, I know and I realize that as I say this, not everybody's happy with me. Not everybody's into this idea of a line because lines sound so harsh. They sound so inflexible. They sound so black and white. I mean, who's to say who's a Christian or not, right? Who's to say who's a Christian or not? Aren't we all just sort of in process? I realize that speaking in absolutes in a day like today is not exactly popular. We would like there to be a lot of middle ground And sometimes we count on there being middle ground, something between committed and uncommitted, all in and all out. But can I just say what you already know? There are lines in life, and we absolutely need them. Not just on the road, not just on the interstate. They matter. They're there. It's important. But in life, a silly silly illustration of this, just picking up the marriage metaphor. I mean, if I came, if you went up to somebody and you said to them, are you married? Okay, just think about that. You went up to somebody and said, are you married? And they said to you, 
Well, you know, who knows? I mean, who's to say who's married or not? You know, right? I mean, can you really tell? I mean, aren't we all just sort of in process? You would look at them like they're nuts, right? And you would conclude two things. One, this person has no idea what marriage is. And two, they're not married, right? They're absolutely, you would know it if you're married. You know it. And I think it's like that. There are lines. The question I have is, have you been brought across that line from unbelief to belief? What does crossing this line look like? It's a crossing of an invisible line where one moves from self-reliance to trust in Jesus Christ. Where you move from your plan to save yourself and Jesus' plan to save you. And there's a shift in the weight of your life from you taking care of you to resting in the strength of another, in the Savior Jesus, to do this for you. It's a transfer of the full weight of your life to Jesus Christ. An illustration of this. This last week, I think it was this week. This last week, um, a couple families, including mine, went up to uh, Fargo, and we went to the YMCA in Fargo. Have you been to that one? Inside that YMCA, there's a rock climbing wall. Did you know that? By the way, a little plug, if you have a membership here in Fergus, you can do that up there. You can use it up there. You can go do this with your kids or grandkids. Um, and uh, so you can go there and do this. And there's this rock climbing wall. And here's how it works. If you, how many of you have done something like this in your past? Raise your hand. Some of you have. Not too many. Okay. Put it on your bucket list, right? This is kind of fun. Here, here's the thing with this. Uh, we went up there, and they have these machines. They have somebody running the thing where you clip on, and then you start climbing like this, and there's somebody holding a rope over here, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it was actually a little unsettling when I was doing it. I realized this girl's probably 50 pounds lighter than me. I'm going. So if I fall, how is this exactly going to work, you know? Check with her later. She told me the science of this thing, how it works. Okay. But you, you, you're, there you are, and you're climbing, and as you climb, the person takes up the slack. And then at the end, you, you repel down. You kind of bounce off the wall and you, you go down and down and down until you, until you get to the bottom, right? And, and they, they kind of let that, that rope go a little bit at a time to let you do that. There's a person who does that, but they also have this auto belay machine that does this for you, right? So several of us could go at the same time. There's two of these machines, and so we're going up. And as you go up, it takes up the slack. It takes up the slack, and you climb up higher. Olivia's friend was with us. She's on the screen. And she went all the way to the top, right? And, and when she got to the top, we were like, that was great, Paige. Way to go. You did it. And now she's coming down. And you know what she started doing? Started climbing down. Going like this. We're like, Paige, this is the funnest part. Come on, you're missing it. All you got to do, Paige, is just lean back and, and it'll work. She's on the auto belay machine. She didn't trust that thing. She did not trust that thing. It's so uh, just counterintuitive because when you do it, when you lean back, it doesn't immediately grab you, kind of like you check your seatbelt. You're like, how is this going to work if we crash, right? You got you to gotta go all the way, right? And, and, and there she goes. She, she, she didn't want to go back because when she did that, she felt like what? 
She felt like she was going to plummet to the ground. Die right there in the YMCA in Fargo. Not the way you want to go. So she's thinking, oh, man, this is, this is kind of scary. And so what are we doing? We're calling out to her. Come on, Paige. You, listen, you can trust it. It's going to hold you. But what was she doing? She was trusting her grip. She was trusting, she was trusting her hold of her life rather than the machine. That felt kind of scary to trust, to lean all the way back and let it carry her down. And we're calling out to her, come on, Paige, just lean back, just lean back. I know it feels weird. Don't trust your feelings, Paige. It doesn't feel great, but trust, it'll, it'll hold you. And then we cried out something like, we just did it. You know, Olivia did it. She trusted. I did it. We, you, it'll work. It'll work. It'll hold you, Paige. Just lean back. And you know what she did? She made it down. Look at that passage in Proverbs 3. It's on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's something about this. There's something about this that's sort of counterintuitive. You mean I'm going to trust somebody else with my life? It's kind of like the biggest thing I have. It's kind of the most important thing to me. My life, my, my life in this world, but my eternal life. And I'm going to trust somebody else with it? Yeah. You can trust him. He'll hold. A shift of the full weight of your life into his hands. As I wrap up this morning, here's kind of where we we land. I wonder where you're at today on that particular one. Because while I talked about these other ones first, this is the one that really makes a difference. Because you really do want to cross this one before you cross that one. It's really important. Uh, the Lord, the scripture says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So where are you at today? There's no middle ground. There's a line, and you're on one side of it or the other. There's nothing in between belief and unbelief. And I, I suspect that in a room like this today, some of you have been sort of hanging out at this line for quite some time. You sort of hang around the line, and maybe people on the other side of it even think that you've crossed it. You know? Could it be that you're, you're standing this close and, I mean, you go to church, you take your kids to Sunday school, you pray before meals, you try to live a good life, and people over on this side of the line look at you and you seem so close because you are so close, and yet, if you were to be honest, you're camping six inches from the border. And you say, well, look how far I've come. But yeah, but you're six inches, you, you're six inches from the border. You're, and, and you know what? Maybe you've been there for years. I think there are people like that here. And, and you know, who, who's to say who's a Christian or not? I mean, I know that it's not my thing to determine that. The Lord knows. But, where, but you do too. Where are you at today? Will you let Jesus bring you across the line. You know, Ray Kurzweil's plan is to discover the cure for death. My question is, what's your plan? You got a better one than the one that the risen Savior has to offer you, which is to put the full weight, to lean all the way back into him and trust that he's stronger than you are. I'm going with the one that can defeat death. I'm going with that one. And I invite you to as well. If you want that, I'm going to pray. And uh, in that prayer, I'm going to say some words that maybe you would like to say. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads right now. If you would, all of us, 
And maybe this is some prayer that at one point in your life you have prayed, some version of it. It's not magic words. But it's a prayer that, that God uses to bring you from unbelief to belief. Say this if this is your prayer to the Lord. Jesus, I know that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died and rose again to give me eternal life. Turn from my self-reliance, from trusting in my own grip, my own strength, to hold me, to save me. And today, I rest in you. I just lean back and find underneath your everlasting arms, your strength, your sufficiency. I trust you. Take me across the line. Give me new life. One day I will pass from this life and I'll die. But Lord, I want to rise again like you did. Thank you that you've made it possible. I invite you now into my life. I trust you as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, would you continue to work in our hearts today, drawing us, calling us, raising us to life. All glory goes to you, Lord Jesus Christ, risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.